Hello and welcome to the I Do Consent podcast with me, your host, Jen Wilson, also known as Irregular Jen. Season 2 is here with the Consent Compass launching on the International Day of Consent, 30th of November, 2023, continuing this work to platform consent as a practice and a tool for making positive changes from the personal to the global. Thanks for listening in. Welcome to I Do Consent podcast, this recording happening in November 2021. My guests today are Jacob Mirzayan and Sophie Powell. Jacob is a workshop leader in sex and relationship education and has worked with Scarletine since 2007, at first as a volunteer advice counsellor with young people and presently as the website's lead developer. Scalatine have pioneered online sex education for teens and emerging adults since 1997. Jacob also works as a teaching assistant in a special school. Sophie has a long history of working with people and communities on projects that have creativity at their core, collaboratively conceiving and designing projects that have meaning and value for all those involved. The creative outcomes can be anything from a commemorative flag, to zines, exhibitions, public events and so on, from across visual art forms, 3D and digital. Jacob and Sophie have been co-conspirators with me on irregular arts projects around consent culture, leading a set of consent conversations with young people in Bradford in 2019 and 2020, which we called the Consent Collective. Um, Jacob or Sophie, I don't know who wants to start. Um, tell us a bit about the Consent Collective and the work that you did and, and what emerged. Uh, so we got we kind of got together and started planning on how we could um, sort of kind of extract from the young people we know in different parts of like um, Bradford and the different community groups we might have come into contact with, what their opinions are on consent and yeah, kind of encourage a bit of a sort of bottom up bottom up approach. Um, I think like yeah, Sophie's got a bit of a habit of um, everything turning into a zine, so that became the <laughs> that became the only way the, anyone could get me involved in anything. <laughs> yeah, so that became the the idea of how, what the outcome would be of doing these. We will we'll try and capture these conversations um, in the in the form of a zine. I don't know if Sophie, you want to say why you love zines so much? <laughs> um, other than they're amazing. Um, um, it's a really democratic way for anybody to get their voice heard and get their voice out there. And it's a really easy, um, low tech way of, um, of making sure that um, whatever you want to say is is said. And it's a really effective, quick way for young people to see that whatever they want to communicate with the world can be communicated. Well, not just young people, but anybody but um, that it can be communicated with the world really, really easily. And um, I think that it was important for them, for the young people that we worked with, um, especially as they came from quite diverse um, backgrounds um, and diverse abilities, um, to be able to understand that their um, 
their ideas and their voices were really valid and and understood and listened to um because we wanted to create a manifesto and that was the that was the whole point of um coming together as a collective um to to try and um pull together a list of what young people actually saw um as consent and one and wanted to communicate about consent because obviously those two things are quite different great yeah and and that you know so it was something commissioned through a regular arts doing our projects and the, and the consent manifesto that I'd put up on the consentculture.co.uk website, um, which, which, you know, frankly, I, I devised largely as a benevolent dictator, but I did, <laughs> I did that in, you know, it, it, the, the stuff in that manifesto came through conversations I'd had with a whole range of different groups. But, um, you know, at the point at which you guys started working, I hadn't really done a lot of work with any young people per se I'd mostly been working with adults um and so when you started talking in these different groups of young people about consent what sorts of things came out was it was consent something that they were already interested in and that they understood or was consent a kind of new concept and you know what 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 sort of response did you get I don't think they were like completely new to it, depending on actually, I, I guess, depending on the groups. But um, I guess we all have using different language. So some people might already be like familiar with the word consent and have received like um, sort of like public public service messaging about it and being told these are the right opinions to have and might maybe through school sometimes I've I've had the experience of feeling like a young person sort of regurgitating to me what they think I want to hear mm-hmm. like here are the acceptable opinions but we also like or always discussing what what what's ethical and is this the right thing to do can you make this decision for somebody else mm-hmm. um so we wanted to tease out the idea of consent in quite a broad way so not just sexual consent mm. um and I think our decision of a good way of doing that was to just sort of come up with scenarios. So like the like one that kind of stuck with me was we were like, okay, so Caden is eight years old and their big brother asks them to go get a Twix from the shop, but there's no Twixes left. Um, and they decide to get a different chocolate and they bring it back. Did Caden's big brother consent to having that chocolate <laughs> rather than one they asked for? So it's just like these things that kind of, can feel quite low stakes and make people be like oh I don't really know what I think about that Mm. um so so yeah I think in order to get a bit more of like an authentic sort of opinion from people we try to push the conversation out of some of the more like um I don't know well-trodden tracks Mm. um yeah so so even if people were familiar with it we were kind of hoping that we could kind of flip it a little bit and see what would come out in those sessions and between them um yeah and the other thing is that well um so often consent gets framed as something that is um that has to be present within intimate and sexual relationships and it doesn't really get framed as something that is there as a whole societal um construct and it should be 
it should be something that underpins all of our decisions, um, especially if we're making decisions with and on behalf of the people. Um, and it so um, so like, like Jacob said, there's um, there are all of the sort of standard answers that you that you would get. You know, yes means yes and no means no, and it's really important. And body language is really important, and all these sorts of things. But um, being able to about consent in a much wider broader context wasn't necessarily something that had happened and also the groups that we worked with so we worked with um some young people who um were from the down syndrome society um who um obviously have a lot of decision they're young people anyway so they you know they're predominantly under 18 um there's um issues of capacity to consent and, and understanding of um a kind of wider issues and how do you, and how do we ensure that um the consent that young people or you know as they grow into adults um is their consent is respected and it's respected in a in a valued way that it to allow them to to lead like safe and happy lives. Um and that was something that when we actually spoke to their parents, their parents were really, their parents were really frightened, like for yeah. a lot of the time. Um, and that's something that really stuck with me, um, mm. was the, the fear that, um, it was really easy to, um, take advantage of, of young people and to make it seem that young people's consent had been respected because they'd said yes. And it's, but obviously, but again, going back to those conversations that we had with those young people, a lot of the um, the understanding around the, some of the scenarios that we were that we were presenting, and we you know we worked with the um, with the youth workers who were already there to kind of make sure that they were appropriate for those young people, and they were to you know they, they were sort of appropriate for um, their understanding and 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 interest mm -hmm. that their their knowledge of how they would like to be respected was was actually quite sophisticated and it was you know it was completely valid and it and it, obviously we're doing this pre-covid so this term is a little bit loaded now but <laughs> um, we had this idea of like herd immunity consent of like if if people who who we would consider to have um, full capacity to consent were acting in a consensual way at all times, then that protects people who don't necessarily have um, full capacity to consent. So I'm not just talking about, you know, people with who are um, who have sort of learning, like learn, different learning abilities and different learning styles, but also people who um, are who um, have dementia and, and, and Alzheimer's and and conditions like that and, and older people so it's that it's that how do we how do we create that sort mm -hmm. of idea of, of herd immunity for consent in, in order to protect the more vulnerable people in society yeah. and I didn't realise that herd immunity has a very <laughs> connotation yeah, of course but no and so so trying to sort of translate that maybe into a different kind of way of talking it is around this idea of consent culture yeah. And this idea that consent is um, not just something that we practice in our intimate relationships, but mm -hmm. it's something that we practice in terms of the permission we give ourselves 
to do mm-hmm. stuff in our own, you know, inner dialogue. Um, the ways, um, the intimate relationship stuff, of course, yes, you know, one to one relationships of all kinds. Um, and then um, at the level of kind of groups and peer pressure in the different groups that we're in and consent operating in those sort of group arenas. And mm-hmm. then at the level of sort of society and culture and, and the sort of very coercive systems that we live within, um, you know, so, you know, democracy and capitalism and those kinds of things aren't necessarily fully consensual systems. Mm-hmm. So what you're talking about with this sort of herd, herd immunity idea is um, this notion that people are working at a full capacity to consent. Mm. If there's enough people using their full capacity to navigate consent and agreement, using their full agency, then those people who aren't, for whatever reason, completely expecting to or able to or practiced it and using Mm. full agency will sort of be being consensual because everyone's being consensual around them. Yeah. Is that what you mean? Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, we're, also including people who have got um various who who have um different capacities to consent at different times so you know if you if you if you go out and get absolutely hammered then you haven't got full capacity to consent but you probably have in two days time mm. so you know it's about protecting people um but it, exactly that jenny yeah um so yeah. the idea that everybody's Everybody's consent is respected and understood, mm. and, and but also that people are protected within society. Um, so yeah, absolutely. <laughs> and it's transforming everyone, not just not just ourselves. It's yeah. not just about that one-to-one. Am I going to harm the person next to me? Yeah. yeah, I think the same time as doing that, like we're not um, sort of like desexualizing um, sort of people with disabilities or. Because I think it's, it can sometimes be the case that um, somebody can be like, this is what I'm into. This is what I like. And that mm, maybe you're influenced because you like I've got a learning disability. And um, yeah, so I think we yeah, just want to like clarify that we did talk about all the saucy stuff as well. And yeah. like <laughs> <laughs> it kind of like came up. It's the kind of process of having those conversations that I guess people feel more confident with that language and having been put put in a position of people asking them like what do you actually think and what do you actually want yeah Um, absolutely that sort of sex positive environment which isn't about encouraging everyone to be sexual it's just being much more matter of fact about this mm -hmm. is something that most people do and that's okay and it's fine and there's and it's not this taboo rude difficult scary subject but it's something that that young people need to be able to talk about openly don't they and there are things that we learn from each other as peers or as like partners or um people collaborating and so i think that's the other the other part of that um sort of herd (laughs) herd behavior is is um is that is the fact that you might have done well at sort of conveying something or having a conversation that brings things out in a group setting that some people might not benefit from doing that in a group setting but they'll pick it up like further down the line when they interact with folks that have sort of absorbed it a bit more and 
over time, hopefully, we'll be a bit better <laughs> at this stuff. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, so just going back to this idea that so the young people made this zine and the idea was it was a kind of manifesto. Yeah. So um, tell us a bit about what the young people were saying about consent then in, in these conversations. Well, um, so um, for a start, we going back to the scenarios that Jacob was talking about, the, the, um, the zine itself is called Consent is Weird, um, because we were having these quite philosophical conversations at some points, um, and you know that it was it was very easy to get wrapped up in the language around well um well is this right and is is this is this right or is this not right and the a lot of the gray areas that we were talking about especially you know as we're all very very used to kind of turning up and going there is no right answers and sometimes <laughs> people just want to go just tell me what to do and it's and so consent is weird. Consent is is complicated and it is complex and, and it becomes less complicated and less complex the more you talk about it. Um so I remember the the um one of the one of the pages has got um like a biscuit on it and it's you know, um, can I have a biscuit? And it's like, yes, you know, you're you're asking if you can take another biscuit because obviously we, we turned up with biscuits because that's very important. Um um but can you take the last biscuit? Does anybody else want it? Like you really want it, but does anybody else want it? And how do you how do you navigate that? Mm-hmm. Um, and so it was it was from very simple sort of statements like can I have another biscuit to quite complex um, systems, quite quite complex ideas around um, voting. And even if you didn't vote, have you consented to this? Um, have you consented to some of the policies that that you're being governed under um, by 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 Parliament or, or you know by the um, society that we live in, by the state that we live in? Mm. And those conversations were also happening. And it was so it, we ran the full gamut of conversations, like from being you know being very sort of yes and no, and and yeah. being able to change your mind right through to Actually, how do we um, how do we um, navigate a, a society where we haven't necessarily given consent to even be part of it? I think some of that as well has come from your um, come from your um, performance, the, um, the consent performance of oh, well, I didn't I didn't um, vote for Brexit, but mm. I, I'm having to live within this system that I don't consent to. Yeah. Um, and so bringing that as a as a talking point to young people, um, which isn't necessarily something that they would they, that they get to talk about in a in a in a very sort of um, un, um, uncompromised, not the right word, but um, quite neutral way. Like, and you know, without having to sort of you know decide what side of the fence you're on, just you know having a conversation around why is it that we are able to live in this system. Yeah, because we end up having quite, I think a lot of times, especially in education context, we have quite sort of binary um, ways of talking about mm. things that are right and wrong, things that are uh, good and bad, you know, those kinds of things. And actually, the, you know, actually sitting with the messiness and the discomfort around things is, is where 
is is closer to to the kind of reality that we all have to navigate, isn't it? I wonder, Jacob, um, in terms of sort of your experience and the work that you've done over the years at, at Scarlatine, whether um, these conversations with young people around consent echo some of the things that have been brought up over the years in your work there. Yeah, well, I mean, we're off. We're sort of quite like, I guess, responsive is, is the word because we're kind of receiving people who've looked us up and have been like, I want to ask a question. I need some advice. Um, yeah. And often, and like some, yeah, often it, it can be people who've maybe had their consent violated and that aren't sure about that. Mm-hmm. I'm not sure about, um, what's happened to them, um, being okay or like, they might be in a relationship where they're being accused of stuff and they're like, am I a bad person? They're telling us what their partner has accused them of. And you're like, Oh, actually we've got a completely different um, perspective on that. And yeah, what we're usually doing there is trying to open up a space where they can question the situation they've been in um, and kind of posing questions that that can like let them open up um, and be like, Oh no, I wasn't happy with that. And it's okay for me to not be okay with what happened. And, um, yeah, so I think some of it is almost like the permission to have the kind of self possession to, um, talk about your own situation and your own relationships. Cause some, I think, yeah, we can kind of get wrapped up in, um, different narratives at different times in a, a kind of, uh, yeah, toxic or an abusive or just a difficult relationship can be one where, you end up with like a, a weird sort of language within mm-hmm. within that partner relationship that you get trapped in and you um yeah going to like an outside person or looking up online resources or reading like any of our articles that are about consent or relationships um can can kind of break that spell and break that spell um and i think that informs um a lot of yeah, a lot of the ways that I've done workshops is that I'm sort of thinking about creating a bubble and what what is the nature of that bubble. Um, and I think some of what we've said so far is um, making it kind of creating a bit of chaos <laughs> um, or just by presenting so many um points of view or scenarios. It could it, it could have been the case that every time we did that, it solidified people's like black and white ideas of how things should be but what happened instead was more and more people identified kind of features that were important to them they were like power imbalance is something that that makes me realize that coercion or non-consent is happening or um i really care about what happens to the last biscuit i want it (laughs) but also the sort of safety of that space is important as well Mm. um so i think it's kind of getting that getting that balance um yeah and there's a lot there's a lot of like balancing acts when you're when you're kind of trying to deliver a workshop so yeah i liked what you mentioned about being dictatorial earlier, earlier on because you kind of get these sort of twists where you want to take responsibility for the work you're doing and what kind of outcome there's going to be um and we're like going in leading something at the same time as being like we want it to be bottom up and how do you how do you kind of create that twist where almost like re- encouraging rebelliousness in the people who are looking up to you yeah and yeah. it's the challenge isn't it of of kind of freedom and responsibility because 
actually, if it, yeah, actually somebody needs to be holding that space safely mm-hmm. so that those difficult conversations can be had. And so it can't be this complete free for all. Mm-hmm. Um, but, um, hopefully <laughs> inside, inside consent in, uh, in that in that chaos yes i think playfulness is probably like a good word for i guess how we approach it and why it ends up being enjoyable Mm. to be in a workshop because you've gone in being like oh this is going to be awkward i just want you to tell them what they want to hear and they won't ask me any more questions and then there's that kind of unnerving feeling where where like they've given me an answer and i'm like here's a follow-up question that will confuse you (laughs) but then like how i receive their answer and like the space I've created, um, yeah, when it when it's me, but Sophie's also like especially good at being like, it's cool, guys. <laughs> we'll <laughs> we'll put this into. We're gonna use the the sort of like the visual the visual realm to yeah use art to kind of express these things that are complicated and that are difficult to just reel off a kind of linear paragraph about. Here's what we think. Yeah. Having a space to explore it um, is super important and very empowering. And I think that's what we're always aiming for. Yeah, yeah. And, uh, yeah, using those different types of communication to to find find a place where those messages make sense to everyone, for sure, definitely. Um, yeah, I just, I'm really, really echoing that thing about whichever group of people I'm working with, when I'm running a consent workshop, there's usually somebody in the room who's sitting there going, oh, God, I'm going to get told off. This is going to be really grim. I really don't want to be here. And hopefully by the end of the session with me, they're like, oh, actually, consent's much more interesting than I thought it was going to be. And and I didn't get told off, and it was all fine, you know, kind of thing, because... Because because it's so much more complex than the simplistic yes means yes no means no messages that that we get given. Yeah, yeah. Um, having to make those very snap decisions about whether I can, whether somebody in a in a situation can I don't know can make a decision for somebody else like um where they might end up violating consent and you and actually having the space to practice that is really important it's like having consent workshops having you know being able to practice that in a in a safe and safe and supported way mm. um is is so vital mm-hmm. you might have to you might have to go back and go actually i was i was wrong and i did i did the wrong thing you know i've got to fix that might not be that easy to fix and yeah you can put aside perfectionism at the same time as always trying to improve Mm -hmm. Um, and I think that's that's like that's sometimes a sticking point for people it's because they want to know that they've got it right but um, sometimes you are taking a punt (laughs) you are but have do you feel like confident in the amount of like work you've put in before that point that you feel informed in your like um decisions and your ability to kind of seek out um information from other people in that situation that they're cool with what's going on and um yeah i kind of see this as like a lifelong 
consent as like a lifelong project that you work on the same way as like going to the gym or yeah. whatever, rather than um here's a clean set of rules that you get in year six at school and you watched a video about things to do, things not to do, and now you just reel it off and you nobody ever gets hurt and even then, no, one, no one ever is in a, in a situation that they weren't prepared for. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I think, yeah, the idea that like when no one's looking, when it's uncomfortable and you don't quite know what to do, like that's when you kind of draw upon your values. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and like, yeah, having this space to like think about what your values are mm-hmm. is like, mega powerful and that's just the process and then sometimes the outcome is great as well <laughs> so yeah i'm really happy with the zine that came out of it yeah that's great yeah i mean absolutely consent as this lifelong practice not mm. not a tick box thing that we get right once and that's it done job done mm. um i'm going to wrap things up because i want to keep these podcasts nice and um short but um maybe at a future point either or both of you might come and have a chat with me again and we can dig a bit deeper into some of these ideas um i didn't actually warn either of you but i uh, i'm hoping you'll be able to wing it Uh, (laughs) (laughs) at the end of each podcast i've asked every guest in in these first uh ones to give me your one sentence quick pithy um if you have a message for the International Day of Consent, what's your quick message? <laughs> um, <laughs> so, so you can go first. Oh, God. <laughs> <laughs> can I just read from the zine? <laughs> it's all right. Um, so this obviously, this is not coming from me because this was... Um, from like directly from young people or directly from the workshop and it was a con- it was a consensual um statement that was that was done together with a group of maybe about 10 young people um so they decided that consent is because we were asking them what consent is and um, when a shared agreement is made with equal people and group or groups based on shared wants and desires and so that idea of like sharing and um making sure that everybody's wants and desires are are met or at least acknowledged is really important yeah that's great can you just read us that line once more so yeah absolutely so consent is when when a shared agreement is made to equal people and groups based on shared wants and desires Lovely. Um, Jacob, have you, have you had a chance to think that? Yeah, I think my, my thing would be like to tell people that, you know, you have permission to sort of believe in yourself and the learning that you're doing and to be like, I've made the best informed decision based on what I know and what I've learned. Um, and I think that that's that's kind of the path towards learning more stuff. And <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. Great. Yeah. Consent is doing the best you can for the time. Mm -hmm. Definitely. All right. Thank you very much, Jacob and Sophie Powell. And um, I'll say goodbye. Thank you. Bye. Thank you. (laughs) Thanks for listening to the I Do Consent podcast. Please like, share and bring your comments or questions about anything that you've heard on the podcast to me, Jen Wilson, on social media as Irregular Jen 
or find me on the web at irregular.org.uk forward slash I do consent. You can sign up for the mailing list and find out more about the frameworks, training, support and other things available for practising consent and to support the International Day of Consent. Please also visit idoconsent.org. And remember, keep it curious, kind and consensual.